coming to you live from the basement of an abandoned house in the middle of a field. It's the Derek Izzy Show. Welcome to the Derek Izzy Show. I am the aforementioned host, Mr. Izzy, and we have a special Christmas show for you today. Since it is December 1st, this show is totally devoted to Christmas traditions and understanding the history of where some of these strange traditions came from. First, I'd like to thank our sponsors. We've got the lifelong sponsor of the show, IzzyRacquetball.com. You can visit IzzyRacquetball.com for all of your racquetball and cross training needs. We currently have 96 pairs of shoes in stock ready for you to purchase. A wide selection of Ectalon racquetball equipment, racquetballs, gloves, eye guards, rackets, everything you need for your complete racquetball game. Our next sponsor is Uber. Have you ever taken a ride with Uber? Have you ever heard of Uber? If you go to uber.com, you can download the app. You can also download it to your smartphone from any of the app stores. The app is completely free. Uber is an innovative taxi service. You download the app, and then when you need a ride, you click on the app, and the app will show you live how close the nearest driver is to you. If you need a black car service, Uber offers that. If you'd rather be picked up in an SUV, Uber offers that. Or if you are on a budget, like most of the world, Uber has a service that they refer to as UberX. What that is, is somebody who shows up in their personal vehicle, and they will take you where you need to go. It's a very, very inexpensive service when you use UberX. That's the service that I like to use when I need a ride somewhere. And we have a special discount code for you. That discount code is 5LX9E. Once again, that's 5LX9E. Use that discount code on your first ride with Uber, and you will get a free ride up to $20. The UberX service, depending on where you are, Uber charges different rates in different areas at different times, but the base rate in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where we're located is $1.20 a mile and $0.17 cents a minute. Compare that to your cab service. Uber will definitely be the cheapest way to get where you're going. Not only that, but there are Uber drivers all over the country and all over the world just waiting for you to click on the app and access that free ride. And now, on to today's podcast. Today's show was put together with a little bit of help from our friends at whychristmas.com. Christmas. Since today is December 1st, and the show is about Christmas and the Christmas traditions, does anyone know the real birthday of Jesus? The Bible doesn't really give you a date, so did you ever think about why we celebrate it on December 25th? Well, here are some things to consider. The first recorded date of Christmas being celebrated on December 25th that I could find was back in 
336 AD. During the time of the Roman Emperor Constantine, he was the first Christian Roman Emperor. A few years later, Pope Julius I officially declared the birth of Jesus would be celebrated on the 25th of December. There are many different traditions and theories as to why Christmas is celebrated on December 25th. A very early Christian tradition said that the day when Mary was told that she would have a very special baby, Jesus, was on March 25th. Nine months after the 25th of March is the 25th of December. March 25th is also a day some of the early Christians thought the world had been made, and also the day that Jesus died when he was an adult. December 25th might have also been chosen because the winter solstice and the ancient pagan Roman midwinter festivals took place in December around this date. So it was already a time when people were celebrating things. The winter solstice is the day where it's the shortest time between the sun rising and the sun setting. It happens around Christmas, and to the pagans, this meant that the winter was over and the spring was coming. So they had a festival to celebrate it and worship the sun for winning over the darkness of winter. The Jewish festival of lights, Hanukkah, starts on the 25th of December. Hanukkah celebrates when the Jewish people were able to rededicate and worship in their temple in Jerusalem, following many years of not being allowed to practice their religion. Jesus was Jewish, so this could be another reason that helped the early church choose December 25th for this date. Now, the name Christmas comes from the Mass of Christ. A Mass service, which is sometimes called Communion or a Eucharist, is where Christians remember that Jesus died for us and then came back to life. The Christ Mass service was the only one that was allowed to take place after sunset. So people had it at midnight. It is from there we get the name Christ Mass, which is shortened to Christmas. Now, I know a lot of you are familiar with the 12 days of Christmas and the popular song about receiving lots of presents from your true love. However, to get the song, the 12 days had to exist to begin with. Those 12 days started on December 25th. It was traditionally a big celebration where each day represented something significant or was a feast celebration for a saint. Day 1, the 25th of December, Christmas Day, celebrating the birth of Jesus. That's the obvious one. But day 2, that is St. Stephen's Day. He was the first Christian martyr, and it's also the day when the Christmas carol, Good King Wenceslas, takes place. December 27th, day 3, that is the day for St. John, the Apostle. Day 4, December 28th, that's the Feast of the Holy Innocents, when people remember the baby boys which King Herod killed when he was trying to find and kill baby Jesus. Day 5, the 29th of December, that is for St. Thomas Becket. He was an Archbishop of Canterbury in the 12th century and was also murdered on the 29th of December in 1170 for challenging the king's authority over the church. Day 6, December 30th, That is for St. Egwin of Worcester. Day 7, the 31st of December, also known as New Year's Eve, Pope Sylvester I is traditionally celebrated on this day. 
He was one of the earliest popes in the 4th century. Day 8, January 1st, that's the day we celebrate Mary, the mother of Jesus. Day 9, the 2nd of January, that's where St. Basil the Great is celebrated. Day 10, the 3rd of January, that is the Feast of the Holy Name of Jesus. This remembers when Jesus was officially named in the Jewish temple. Day 11, the 4th of January, that is celebration of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, the first American saint. Day 12, the 5th of January, also known as Epiphany Eve, St. John Newman is celebrated. He was the first bishop in America. He lived in the 1800s. The tradition of the 12th night is a big-time celebration where people would hold large parties. During these parties, the roles of society were reversed. You would have rich people serving the poor people. This was a long-standing tradition dated back to the medieval times, and the twelfth night marked the end of the winter season. One of the traditions that we know very little about and don't really think about because we just do it is the tradition of having Christmas candy canes. The Christmas candy cane originated in Germany about 250 years ago. Candy canes started as straight white sugar sticks. I wasn't able to find any proof that this story was true, but legend has it that back in 1670, a choir master was worried about the children sitting quietly all through the long Christmas nativity service. So he gave them something to eat to keep them quiet, as he wanted to remind them of Christmas. He made them into a J-shape, like a shepherd's crook, to remind them of the shepherds that visited the baby Jesus at the first Christmas. However, the earliest records of candy canes came from over 200 years ago, not in the 1600s. So that story, while it's a nice idea, probably is not true. As the candy cane evolved, in the 1900s, red stripes were added, and they were flavored with peppermint or wintergreen. Some of the other Christian meanings come down to the design of the candy cane. The J can also stand for Jesus. The white part of the cane can represent the purity of Jesus Christ, and the red stripes are for the blood he shed when he died on the cross. The peppermint flavor represents the hyssop plant, which was used for purifying in the Bible. When you see Christmas written out, a lot of times people use the abbreviation Xmas. So Christmas sometimes is known as Xmas, depending on who's writing it out. And you may not think, well, that's kind of taking Christ out of Christmas. Not really. In the Greek language and alphabet, the letter that looks like an X is the Greek letter Chi which is the first letter of the Greek word for Christ, Christos. The early church used the first two letters of Christos in the Greek alphabet, Chi and Rho, to create a monogram symbol to represent the name of Jesus. This looks like an X with a small P on top, thus showing that Xmas really is Christmas. One of the other symbols that came from ancient times that maybe you've seen around today on a bumper sticker or someone wearing a patch, is the symbol of the fish. This comes from a time from the first Christians when they had to meet in secret, as the Romans wanted to kill them before Emperor Constantine became a Christian. 
Jesus had said that he wanted to make his followers fishers of men, so people started using the fish as a symbol of Christianity. One of the other traditions we observe is the tradition of the mistletoe. Mistletoe is a plant that grows on willow and apple trees. The tradition of hanging it in the house goes back to the times of the ancient Druids. It's supposed to possess mystical powers which bring good luck to the household and wards off evil spirits. It was also used as a sign of love and friendship in Norse mythology, and that's where the custom of kissing under the mistletoe comes from. When the first Christians came to Western Europe, some tried to ban the use of mistletoe as a decoration in churches, but many still continued to use it. York Minster Church in the UK used to hold a special mistletoe service in the winter where wrongdoers of the city of York could come to be pardoned. The custom of kissing under the mistletoe comes from England. The original custom was that a berry was picked from the sprig of a mistletoe before the person could be kissed, and when all the berries had gone, there could be no more kissing. The name mistletoe comes from two Anglo-Saxon words, missile, which means dung, and tan, which means twig or stick. So literally, you could translate mistletoe as poo on a stick. Not exactly romantic, is it? But here's where that comes from. Mistletoe is normally spread on trees through bird poop and is actually a parasite. The plant attaches itself to the host tissue, which is a tree, and grows out of the branch. Mistletoe promotes wildlife. Although it's poisonous to us, it provides a great source of food for many animals. Birds rely on the plant, and butterflies lay their eggs on it and use the nectar. Bees also get important pollen from mistletoe. During Christmas, everybody sings Christmas carols. You may have seen carolers outside your door, walking around in groups, singing Christmas songs with candles. And you may wonder, what is the history of these Christmas carols? While we didn't have time to go into every single Christmas carol, I did a general approach here and just looked at the histories of Christmas carols in general. Carols were first sung in Europe thousands of years ago, but these were not Christmas carols. They were pagan songs sung at the winter solstice celebrations as people danced around stone circles. The winter solstice is the shortest day of the year, usually taking place around the 22nd of December. And the word carol actually means dance or a song of praise and joy. Carols used to be written and sung during all four seasons, but only the tradition of singing them at Christmas has survived. Early Christians took over the pagan solstice celebrations for Christmas and gave people Christian songs to sing instead of the pagan ones. Back in the year 129, a Roman bishop said that a song called Angel's Hymn should be sung at a Christmas service in Rome. Another famous early Christmas hymn was written in 760 by Comus of Jerusalem for the Greek Orthodox Church. Soon after this, many composers all over Europe started writing Christmas carols. However, not many people liked them as they were all written and sung in Latin, a language that normal people couldn't understand, which is still true today. By the time of the Middle Ages, most people had lost interest in celebrating Christmas altogether. This all changed when St. Francis of Assisi, in 1223, started his nativity plays in Italy. 
The people in the plays sang songs and told the story during the plays. Sometimes the choruses of these songs were in Latin, but normally they were all in a language that people watching the play could understand and join in. These new carols started to spread. They went to France, Spain, Germany, and other European countries. The earliest carol like this was written in 1410. Sadly, only a very small fragment of it still exists. The carol was about Mary and Jesus meeting different people in Bethlehem. Most carols from this time and the Elizabethan period are untrue stories very loosely based on the Christmas story about the Holy Family. They were seen as entertaining rather than religious songs. They were usually sung in homes rather than in churches. Traveling singers started singing these carols, and the words were changed for the local people wherever they were traveling. One carol that changed like this is one that you've probably heard today called I Saw Three Ships. When Oliver Cromwell and the Puritans came to power in England back in 1647, the celebration of Christmas and singing carols was stopped. However, the carols survived as people still sang them in secret. Carols remained mainly unsung until Victorian times when two men, William Sandys and Davis Gilbert, collected lots of old Christmas music from villages in England. Before carol singing in public became popular again, there were sometimes official carol singers called waits. These were bands of people led by important local leaders, such as town council leaders, who had the only power in the towns and villages to take money from the public. They were called waits because they only sang on Christmas Eve. This was sometimes known as watch night or wait night because of the shepherds were watching their sheep when the angels appeared to them. New carol services were created and became popular, as did the custom of singing carols in the streets. Both of these customs are still popular today. One of the most popular types of carols is the carols by candlelight services. At this service, the church is only lit by candlelight and is very Christmassy. Carols by candlelight services are held in countries all over the world. Now, since we are recording this podcast on Thanksgiving Day, even though it's not going to be released till December 1st, we decided to examine one particular Christmas carol and do a deep dive into what it was originally written about. The Christmas carol we looked at was Jingle Bells one of the best-known and commonly sung American Christmas songs in the world. It was written by James Lord Pierpont and published under the title One Horse Open Sleigh in the autumn of 1857. Even though it is now associated with the Christmas holiday season, it was actually written to be sung for the American Thanksgiving. According to the Medford Historical Society, the song was inspired by Medford's popular sleigh races during the 19th century. Jingle Bells was often used as a drinking song at parties. People would jingle the ice in their glasses as they sung. The double meaning of upshot was thought to be humorous. We'll talk about that when we get into the verses of the song. And a sleigh ride gave an unescorted couple a rare chance to be together, unchaperoned, in distant woods or fields, with all the opportunities that afforded. Sleigh rides were the 19th century equivalent of taking a girl to a drive-in movie theater in the 1950s or early 60s. 
So there was a somewhat suggestive and scintillating aspect to the song that is often now not even recognized. But after listening to this, you will recognize it every time you hear the song. Music historian James Fold notes that the word jingle in the title, an opening phrase, is apparently an imperative verb. In the winter in New England, in pre-automobile days, it was common to adorn horse harnesses with straps bearing bells. That way, your horses would not collide at a blind intersection. Because a horse-drawn sleigh going through the snow makes almost no noise. If you've got sleighs going through the snow at night, not making any noise, it makes for an easy collision. The rhythm of the tune mimics that of a trotting horse's bells. However, jingle bells is commonly taken to mean a certain kind of bell. Here's how the song goes. Everyone's familiar with the first verse, dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh, or the fields we go laughing all the way. Bells on bobtail ring, making spirits bright. What fun it is to ride and sing a sleighing song tonight. Although less well-known than the opening, the remaining verses depict high-speed youthful fun. In the second verse, the narrator takes a ride with a girl and loses control of the sleigh. It goes, A day or two ago, I thought I'd take a ride, and soon Miss Fanny Bright was seated by my side. The horse was lean and lank, misfortune seemed his lot. He got into a drifted bank, and then we got upsot. Upsot traditionally means capsized, but it's also slang for drunk or intoxicated. In the next verse, which is often skipped, he falls out of the sleigh, and a rival laughs at him. It goes, A day or two ago, the story I must tell. I went out in the snow, and on my back I fell. A gent was riding by in a one-horse open sleigh. He laughed as their eyes sprawling lie, but quickly drove away. In the last verse, after relating his experience, he gives equestrian advice to a friend to pick up some girls, find a faster horse, and take off at full speed. It goes, Now the ground is white. Go it while you're young. Take the girls tonight and sing this slaying song. Just get a bobtailed bay, 240 as his speed. Hitch him to an open sleigh and crack, you'll take the lead. That 240 being a 2 minute and 40 second mile. Now that you've heard the uh, complete version of the song, the original lyrics written in 1857 differed slightly from those we know today. It is unknown who replaced the words with the modern version, but it is what we have today, and now you know the history of Jingle Bells. So the next time you're singing Christmas carols, you will know why you're singing them, and you will know all the verses of Jingle Bells. Have a Merry Christmas. This has been the Derek Izzy Show. Since this is the completed first year of the program, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Thank you for telling a friend about it to show. And keep telling your friends. Our listening audience has had a steady growth, and we need to continue that growth, gain more sponsors, and educate the public on history. Good day.